0: Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Today, I thought I would begin by um, sharing just uh, a little bit of my childhood, some fond memories. When I was a kid, we would sometimes go and visit my grandparents. And uh, my mom grew up in Montana. Her dad was in World War II. He came here as a seabee, landed on Guam, helped rebuild the island just after World War II, built one of the first water wells over there in Tumon. Belongs to the Air Force today. And uh, he got a little Guam um, symbol, and he gave it to my mom as a ring. And she was in Hawaii where she met my dad, and my dad saw that ring, and he said, where did you get that? And, uh, and that's how they met. Romantic story in Hawaii, and uh, our family came to be. So every once in a while, we would go back to my mom's home. And it's a beautiful area. Terry loves it when we go there. So relaxing, just disconnect from all the responsibilities and the Internet and the busyness. And I brought a couple pictures to show you. Um, let's go ahead and go to the next slide. That's a little river in the area where my mom lives. That's the Kootenai River. And she lives on the western border of Montana in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Just beautiful, gorgeous um, forests just as far as the eye can see. And uh, not far from where my mom grew up, just about a mile from her place, if you hike up the mountain, uh, my brother took me there once. He found a waterfall. And my brother was always adventurous. And he said, come, I want to show you something. And so we went to this place. And that's my oldest daughter, Tara, in red when she was little. And the guy next to her kind of looks like me, but that's my brother, John. And I'm the one taking the picture. And uh, just a beautiful area. And uh, I want to show you the spot where my mom grew up. This next photo is uh, Google Maps. And it's upside... No, it's not... No, it's not. It's okay. I thought it was upside down. Over on the left, there's a little greenhouse, and that's where my grandparents lived. And the little white rectangle just above the greenhouse is where my mom lived for a while. That's where she passed away. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, one of my favorite memories one summer, my grandparents had us walk out of the house with our eyes closed and lined us up in the front yard. And when we opened our eyes, there was a little pony. And his name was Charlie. And I rode Charlie all over those fields all summer long. It was so much fun. You know, as a little kid, um, I had no idea uh, what it took for my grandfather to develop that farm. Uh, Back in the old days, believe it or not, the U.S. would allow people to come and homestead entire tracts of land out west. My grandfather bought a hundred acres for a dollar an acre. And he began to clear it. And um, it just occurred to me as I was thinking about this, back then they didn't have chainsaws. It was either a handsaw or an axe. And sharpening that handsaw and that axe every so many trees. I, I don't think I can begin to fathom what it took to clear all of that with horses and harnesses and chains and shovels and axes and cutting down all the trees and clearing out all the stumps and then plowing the fields and creating a farm. Now, some of us can't relate to homesteading or farming, but most of you have a place where you stay. And it took a lot of work and a lot of effort, a lot of preparation for you to be able to stay where you stay. And if you have children, chances are the kids have no idea what it takes to be able to live there. And I have a feeling it's like that spiritually. For many of you who came to know the Lord earlier in life, and you began to grow and to develop spiritually, and now you have a family if you have little kids, your children probably have no idea what it took for you to go through breaking all the strongholds to separate from the world, all the spiritual battles that you went through in order to seek God and to get where you're at today so that you could create a home that is better and different than what it would have been without God. What's true spiritually for us individually I think is also true for us in the worldwide church. I think we walk into Just the wonderful family of every nation and the family of churches reaching every nation. We come into a building like this, and I think we have no idea what it was like for the early church fathers to begin making disciples in every nation. What was it like to begin? Imagine Peter, and he's getting older. And he's thinking, my days are numbered. And we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what the Lord told us to do. And he's thinking to himself, it's, it's going to require more than just me. How am I going to get the message to the next generation? And some of the disciples began to write biographies about the life of Jesus, about who he was and what he did, so that those who came after him would be able to know Some disciples wrote letters to help other believers, to understand what it means to have a relationship with God. And how can you grow in that relationship? How can that develop? During this time, in addition to these biographies and these letters, uh, there were other philosophies. There were other philosophers who were also writing and had their ideas in circulation. And some of those were cross-pollinating with the Christian message. And the early church found themselves having to determine which writings represented the teachings of Jesus and which ones did not. And our focus today is to understand how the early church determined which writings were actually the message from God. Which writings were inspired by God? You know, when I first became a Christian, actually even before I became a Christian, I was very hesitant about faith and religion. And my concern was I didn't want to adopt some man-made religion, somebody else's belief. I wanted to experience God for myself. I wanted to know for myself. And that's why my experience with God was not religious. It wasn't in a church. It wasn't what you would call spiritual. I was just laying on my bed, many of you have heard this story, looking up at the ceiling and I said, God, if you're real, I want to know. And I continued on a journey of trying to experiment and see if God was real. So much so, I never went to a church for the first two years I was a Christian. Now, I don't recommend that, (laughs) now looking back. But that's where I was at at the time and what I needed in order to know that what I was experiencing was real and not something somebody else was feeding me. I wanted to experience God for myself. And so now that I look back, I'm trying to think to myself, what was I looking for? How was I to know? And so, you know, 30 years later, I'm trying to reverse engineer going back, what was I thinking? And I thought of three things that were at work. I don't think I could have articulated it back then, but I'm doing my best to try and understand my heart 30 years ago. And there were, there were several things that I was looking for. One was I was looking for a point, of, a point of view, a perspective that was bigger than this world, something that was eternal. The other thing is I was looking for a message that was centered in God and not in man. And thirdly, I was watching and I was listening for the message of unconditional love. And every time I heard that message, I, heard, I saw that fingerprint of God. Every time I heard his voice through whatever means that he chose, it touched my heart and I knew. I was on the scent of the trail. I was in the right place. I was going in the right direction. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. What has been your experience in sensing God's voice? Do you sense his voice during worship when your heart hears the message of God's love for you? Do you sense his voice when you hear the message that this world is not all there is? Does it resonate with eternity in your heart? The apostle John was very strong and he was very clear when he said this. This is 1 John chapter 4 beginning in verse 3. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist of which you have heard that is coming and now it is already in the world. Oh, not yet. Go back. You are from God, little children. And have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Next. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and error. Next verse. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so here's the point. When you walk with God, and when you rely on His Spirit to live the life, there is a Spirit-led discernment that tells you what is of God and what isn't? Remember last week, I don't have it up on the screen, but we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which says, Paul said, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And so when we have the Spirit of God, we're relying on Him to be able to live the life, there is an awareness, a discernment that He gives us to be able to filter what is from the world and what is from the kingdom of God. And this is how the early church recognized which teachings were from God and which teachings were from man or possibly from demons. Now, of course, it gets complicated because this is very subjective. Yes? Yes? Not everyone has the same perception. Some people are kind of asleep spiritually, meaning it's hard to be alert and awake to the presence and the activity of God. Not everyone is able to discern. And because of this, uh, the exercise that we're about to do is a little risky. But I'm going to put some faith in our church. And actually, I'm putting faith in God's Spirit in you. I'll give you an example of what the early church did as they evaluated writings about the Christian faith. I'm going to put two statements on the screen. And one, I'd like you to tell me which one do you sense has the fingerprints of God? Which one do you sense has the voice of God behind it? If we pass the test great. <laughs> If not, may the Lord give us greater discernment to understand his ways. (laughs) So are you ready? Okay, here's the first statement. The Logos said, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Ignorance is a slave. Knowledge is freedom. When we recognize the truth, we shall find the fruits of truth in our hearts. If we unite with it, we will bring our fulfillment. Just evaluate that for a moment. Just ask yourself, do you sense God in that teaching? Because I'm going to read to you another statement in a moment. I'm going to ask you to choose between the two. Ready for the next one? Okay, here we go. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. So, I'm going to ask us to just do a show of hands. How many of you would say statement number one is from God? Okay, a few of you. Statement number two. A lot more people saying statement number two. Let me tell you about statement number one. Statement number one comes from the book of Philip. It was a document circulating in the second century. And the early church was faced with determining whether or not this document was inspired. You're actually going through a test that the early church went through. This is real. In those days... There was a prominent philosophy known as Gnosticism. Gnosticism was the idea that knowledge, which was often presented as secret knowledge, that knowledge would bring fulfillment. The idea is still circulating in the world today. There are many who believe that if we could just educate people enough, the world's problems would go away. There are many people who believe that. Let me ask you this. If you could choose a boss, would you rather have a boss whose character was a little sketchy, but he was very smart? Or would you rather have a boss who was average intelligence, but you knew he was honest? We intuitively know that knowledge alone is not enough. The early church recognized Gnosticism in the book of Philip, that first statement is where it came from. And as a result, it was not accepted as part of our Bible today. The second statement comes from the book of Esther. Now, here's the interesting thing about the book of Esther. Not a single place in the book of Esther does it ever mention God. It does not. But if you read between the lines, you can see the sovereignty of God is all over it. So here's the point. The early church was continually in the process of determining if a written account had the fingerprints of God. Jesus said, "My sheep know my voice and they follow me." Well, one of the terms in describing the books that belong to scripture is the word canon. And for today's purpose, canon is not a type of camera. <laughs> canon is not a type of military weapon. And today's definition comes from the Greek word canon with a K, meaning read or measurement. A canonical book is one that measures up to the standard of Holy Scripture. The canon of Scripture refers to the books that are considered the authoritative word of God. And today, I'd like to cover just three of those standards. Number one is prophetic authorship. Prophetic authorship is this. For a book to be considered canonical, it must have been written by a prophet or an apostle or by one who had special relationship to an apostle or a prophet. So the apostles were those who had firsthand knowledge of Jesus himself or a prophet as in the Old Testament, which we'll cover a little bit later or someone who had special relationship with one of these, like the disciple Mark had a special relationship with Peter, or the disciple Luke had a special relationship with Paul. In other words, only those who had witnessed the events or had recorded eyewitness testimony could have their writings considered as Holy scripture. The Spirit of God so that's number one is prophetic authorship. Another standard in order to determine what was inspired is witness of the Spirit, which is really what I was talking about earlier. The Spirit and it doesn't it doesn't work this way. The Spirit of God did not give some church leader a list of books and say this is the canon. But he left their recognition to a a historical process in which he was active. So there was a process in history that the people of God went through, and God was involved in that, and God was active. And God's people learned to distinguish wheat from chaff. It's kind of like distinguishing the difference between Android and Apple. If you have just a little bit of experience and some discernment, you can tell which one is legitimate just kidding. (laughs) That's a bad joke. (laughs) Can't really mix something so high as the Word of God with that. (laughs) But there are two things, prophetic authorship and witness of the Spirit. The third one is acceptance. The final test is the acceptance of the people of God. Jesus told his disciples The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things which I said to you. Now I want you to zero in on the word all. That's a pretty amazing statement. It said the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all things which I have taught you. In other words, we have the promise from Jesus that his disciples would have total recall by the holy spirit that's what jesus said of the things that he said and did these same disciples either wrote the new testament books or had input into which books were accepted as scripture and any book that claimed canonical status but did not was not in harmony with the life of jesus and the teachings of jesus would not have been accepted by the early church leaders. And this is why acceptance is a very important distinction. Now, when I talk about acceptance, I need to make an important distinct, uh, another important distinction. And that is, there is a difference between collecting inspired works of God and creating inspired works of God. Collecting something that is already created is different from creating itself itself. So here's a a quote by J.I. Packer. The church no more gave us the New Testament canon than Sir Isaac Newton gave us the law of gravity. God gave us gravity by his work of creation. And similarly, he gave us the New Testament by inspiring the individual books that make it up. And so it was up to the church in the early days to recognize what was inspired, something God had already done working through the books that make it up. So we have three things. We have prophetic authorship, witness of the Spirit, and acceptance. But all of that is referring to the New Testament. What about the Old Testament? The Old Testament is more complicated, but I want to share just one thought to address that question. It's found in Luke chapter 24. We'll read it together. Then he said, and this is Jesus speaking, and this is after the resurrection. Then he said, when I was with you, I should back up a little bit more, a little more background. After the resurrection, um, there were two people walking on the road to Emmaus, and they thought Jesus was dead, and they were depressed, and then he appeared to them. They had not recognized him, and this is what he said. When I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the... Notice his sources. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. I want to stop there for a moment. Here was Jesus... In his resurrected form, appearing before two people, and they didn't recognize him. And what did he do to help them recognize? It says he opened the scriptures to them, and he revealed himself through the scriptures. The resurrected Jesus is standing before them, and he uses scriptures to help people understand his identity and his presence. What that means for us here today is... You don't have to have Jesus standing in a physical body here. In the same way as those two witnesses that he met on the road to Emmaus, he can reveal to you the presence and the power of God through the Scriptures. Scripture is alive and powerful. Verse 47, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness for all who will repent. Did you catch that second prophecy? It's up there on the screen now. The Old Testament prophecies were verified in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. His life is living proof that the Old Testament is correct. But did you also catch the second prophecy? He said this, it is also written that this message would be proclaimed In the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness for those who repent. It was written means it was foretold. It means it was prophesied that the good news would be proclaimed to all the nations. You know, when you share the message of forgiveness with somebody, you are actually entering into the preordained plan of God all the way back since the Old Testament. The fact that the church exists and we are focused on church planting and campus ministry and missions to bring the good news to every nation is another evidence that the Old Testament is correct. In summary, I'm sharing with you the process that the early church went through and resulted in the Bible that we have today. You know, we're like the grandchildren who grew up on the farm. For us, being involved in the household of faith, especially if you grew up in a Christian family, it's just familiar. Some of us are newer to the faith than others, but we have this privilege to enter the household of faith. And my hope is that we would feel great appreciation for the believers who went before us and did the hard work of preparing the farm. They did the hard work of setting the stage to launch you so that you could go further and deeper into the kingdom of God. May we be faithful to God's love and to God's word. When you talk to people, be encouraged. Be encouraged, be strengthened, and be confident that you are bringing the reality of God and His love and his forgiveness to people who desperately need it. I want to encourage you to turn to God in his word for everything that you need. Ask him for knowledge and understanding. There are so many questions out there. Steve Merle said, if you're not, if, if you're not confused, you're not paying attention. <laughs> there are so many questions out there about how to do life. You know, I'm glad you're here. But if this is all you get in terms of the word of God, 30 minutes on a weekend, it's like a starvation diet. We need to be getting nourished and encouraged and strengthened from his word every day. And I want to encourage you to do whatever it takes to get into his word. Be creative about it. Uh, Go to Christian Radio. You can go to Caleb.com. Uh, go watch all the tributes to Billy Graham. Uh, go watch the funeral about Billy Graham. It's just full of teaching and encouragement in the Word of God. Uh, download the Read Scripture app that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't done that yet, it's an amazing app that will help you get into the Word of God. And as the Leadership 215 class loves, it has videos <laughs> which help you understand what it is that you're reading. Or, or, or go to the Blue Letter Bible the app, and listen to the audio Bible. If you're you're not visual, if you're audible, if that's the way that you learn, do whatever it takes. Be creative in order to get the Word of God inside. Memorize Scripture. You know, find what works for you and develop it. It's like exercise. You have to build from where you are. And the goal is not to look like somebody else or sound like somebody else. Although people who are walking well with God, are good role models and an encouragement to us. But the goal is to develop and grow in your relationship with God and to become the person that He wants you to be as you get His Word into your life. Work on it every day and in a year, you will not be the same. Guaranteed. Good news? Let's pray. Father, I thank You that You've given us this great gift of your word. Lord, your word is alive and powerful. And I pray that you would awaken us in our hearts, in our spirits. Lord, to sense your presence, to be able to hear your voice through your word, to see your fingerprints, to be nourished and encouraged and strengthened as we take it in, to feed our soul Lord, sometimes we are so thirsty on the inside. We feel lonely. We feel down. Lord, sometimes we're upset about things. We're anxious. There are so many needs. Lord, there is a void deep in our heart that only you can fill. And God, I ask that you would encourage us and strengthen our faith our trust to seek you to meet those needs and not the old habits and the patterns and the hang-ups and the things that we do to try and get our needs met. Father, let there be no substitutes for you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would anoint our minds and the minds of our hearts and give us understanding as we seek you in your word. Lord, I pray that you would open us, open the eyes of our hearts and help us to see your kingdom and the riches that we have in Jesus. So if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to challenge you just to respond to God in your chair. And if you feel like the Lord is inviting you to a deeper relationship with him, I want to encourage you to renew your relationship, to renew your commitment and say, God, I want to seek you with all my heart, with all my mind and with all my strength. And if that sounds like something that you would like to do, I want to invite you to pray with me. Just pray in your heart. The Lord will hear. Lord, I'm here today. Lord, you know all the distractions that I face. You know all the demands on my schedule. You know the capacity of my being, my gifting, my mind, and my physical body. And yet, Lord, I ask that you would give me an ability beyond myself to be able to seek you in big ways and in little ways, but especially through your word. And Lord, I ask that you would speak life to me and that you would allow me to become the person that you want me to be and that you would use me God, to to be an encouragement to my family, to my friends. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, make me the person you want me to be. If you'd keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address one more group here today. As you're hearing me talk about a relationship with God, that's something that's been on your mind and heart lately. Today, you may be here because you sense God's been trying to get your attention. And if that describes you and you're here because you're responding to him, I want to give you a chance just to formalize your response. If you've never made a conscious choice to let him come and be in your life, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. And if that sounds like you, We're going to pray in a moment. The most important thing is just that you've decided to do that. I'm just catching up with what God's already doing in your heart. And if you would like to express that decision, I'm going to pray out loud and invite you to hitchhike on my words. God will hear you. Before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with, and I have a signal for that, which is this. If you would simply look up, then when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. So if that sounds like something you'd like to do, go ahead and look up at this time, and then we'll pray together in a moment. Here? Yes. Okay, I see you. All three of you. Anybody else? In the back? No? Anybody else here? Right there? Yes, and here. Okay, I see you. Anybody else? Right here? Okay. I see you. Anybody over on this side? Right there? don't want to miss anybody here. Okay, good, let's pray. Our God and our Father, my God and my Father, I'm here today, standing in the crossroads of this decision in my heart, and I'm deciding, yes God, I want to experience you. So I'm opening up my life and I'm asking you to come into it by your spirit. Lord, I ask you to forgive me for things I've done that have interfered in my relationship with you and with others, things that have been hurtful. And I ask you to forgive me through Jesus. I thank you for Jesus and what he did for me. And I accept Jesus' forgiveness and I accept Jesus himself into my life. Lord, I ask that you would give me a new start. Living the way I've been on my own has not been working real well and I want to know your way. And so I'd ask that you show that to me. Open my mind, help me to see your way to live and make me the kind of person you want me to be. I thank you for coming into my life. I thank you for forgiving me. And I thank you in Jesus' name, amen.